The one thing that we cannot control in this life is who our parents are. You dealt the hand, you're stuck with it. Pants, that's what I know. I know pants. All kinds of pants. Please, all kinds of pants. Let me tell you something. It's not like baseball, where if you don't like the deal you have with one team, you can become a free agent and try to get a better deal with another team. Free agency. If you want my advice, go home, make up, and goodbye. What a scoop! I keep becoming a free agent, then going around, offering his services as a devoted son to the highest bidding set of parents. I'm proud of you, kid. You got a lawyer? Let's get cracking. He is not physically in the arms of either his new parents or his original parents. By noon on Labor Day, he will be remanded to an orphanage. And if any of you has ever seen the little rascals, you know that's no day at the beach. So North was on his way to find the perfect parents. Well, hey, howdy, North. I know what you're thinking. Big call, right? Everything I own is the biggest and the best. That's why we'd like you to become our son. Here you go, North. Nice cup of hot cocoa. And to go with that, our state dish, Eskimo pie. Hey, what do you know? The salmon are running. Sure, living in Paris would be great. <laughs> but there's always a hitch. <laughs> Meanwhile, things were heating up at home. Just because you were born 25 years before me doesn't make you smart. <laughs> It doesn't make you right. It just makes you old. Aren't I naughty? It just makes you smell worse in the morning. You realize North will never pull this off. He's not. He can do anything. His folks are going to fight it. Of course they are. They're not going to take this line down. Hang in there, kid. You'll find what you're looking for. Hey. You. Trust me, I'm not me. What are you? Some kind of guardian angel? Easter Bunny. And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Thank you for hitting the download and welcome to another episode of When Did That Come Out? And today we will be looking at the month of July in 1994. This one's been a long time coming. It's Rob Reiner's North. Uh, I'm Charlie Stabile and I'm joined, of course, by William Rankin. Will, how are you? Good evening. So you're doing good? I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. Well, <laughs> let me see if I can get, change your mind on that. Um, I... I didn't realize until right before we hit record, this is the second Rob Reiner movie that we've covered uh, on this show. And, um, yeah, it wasn't on purpose. It was just, I, I just always wanted to talk about this movie. Now, yeah, it's a real step up from the last one. Well, I was about to say, uh, in 1986, we did Stand By Me, and which is a wonderful, wonderful movie. And then just eight years later, um, North, uh, I, I wasn't aware that you hadn't seen this before. <laughs> I always thought all those years of me making fun of this movie, you knew you knew what I was talking about. So when you told me that, that you hadn't seen it, I instantly felt awful um, because I remember watching this as a kid. 
not a lot, but I, it came on like it was one of those movies that came on like the free weekend for Showtime, or, of course, because like no one's going to pay to see this movie. Hell, nobody did. <laughs> but uh, no, um, what were you like? Do you remember this movie like back when we were kids, like when it when it came out? Oh, um, so I. All right. What I was going to ask you was, in conjunction with that, is do you remember the first time you went on IMDb, like the very first time, like the first around? Oh that, yeah, it blew my mind. What year? What year would you say? Just rough, Ooh, roughly. I want to say. I want to say around two thousand two, maybe. Okay. Yes, I. So roughly, when you were what, like, is that sixteen? Fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, yeah, it's about the same with me. I feel like around ninety eight, ninety nine was when it was, and because I remember typing in internetmoviedatabase.com. dot <laughs> com. That's how I used to get there, and I remember just being. This was the this site was such a gateway because it was like you literally is it was just connecting things. Like you know, you click on this, it leads you to this, to leads you to this, to leads you to this. Well, when you know you're starting to go through and you're you're learning about this director and that director and you're curious okay oh i like what this person's done let me see other things they've they've made and of course even by that point this is still probably just before story of us so you've got an amazing catalog of rob reiner movies which i think at the time i'd seen almost all of them there were a few i still hadn't but i would see not too long later but one but all of them i had heard of except for pretty much this one and i remember looking at it like i it all of them like all the other ones like are they're 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 so prominent in pop culture they're prominent they're just prominent just on our our lexicon of just humanity i wanted to run through this real quick like just to put the pause on you real quick starting in 1984 and this is an order of filmography this is Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, and now North. Those are the movies that this follows. Yeah. And those are all, at the very least, great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the weakest one is what? The, the sweetest thing? The sure, the, or sure, th- the sure thing. I mean, and that's. I was, I was thinking of that. I don't know why the that Cameron was. Cameron Diaz movie? Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> But like, it, even if that's your weakest movie, you've done pretty good, especially you've done pretty good. <laughs> and I just remember when I looked at the poster and I read the plot summary, and I was like, "Who's the star in it?" And I knew what Elijah North was by that point, or Elijah Wood. Sorry, Elijah, whatever. <laughs> he will forever be North. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember. I knew definitely knew who he was because he was just if there was a, a a kid actor in a movie or in a a, a prominent movie, he was going to be in it. But I looked at this movie just kind of confused. I was like, I don't know what this is and I've, and my mom would be a good litmus test because like she'd ne- she'd never really talked about it and i was like it's not usually a good sign for like kind of the rob reiner type of movie rob reiner was like just such an easy director for any moviegoer to like like you it wasn't like oh there's we got that here here uh foreshadowing oh i got another philip noise joint coming out uh <laughs> A joint, <laughs> like Spike Lee. Right. We used to joke about a Mike Lee joint instead of a Spike Lee joint, because <laughs> he directed a uh, Vera Drake. <laughs> so we, I changed the poster to the giant V instead of the X for Malcolm. <laughs> but anyway, oh, that's. Jesus. But the the overall like 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 theme there is like. I looked at it like never heard of this, and it just it, it was, you. You missed this as a child. Missed it. Uh, yeah. 
I remember like hearing about this movie constantly, like whether it was on um, the trailers to VHS movies that I rented, like like somebody was promoting this. <laughs> like I saw, I was I was fully aware of this movie. I just knew I, did, I wasn't going to go see it in the theater. But so that's just that's kind of wild to me that um, it bypassed your childhood because, yeah, it was just like my God, will this movie just go away? <laughs> 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 wow. Um, I, I want to read this quote uh, real quick from Rob Reiner because uh, Rob Reiner, he this movie was like, I believe, nominated for nine Razzie Awards. Now, I, I make no bones about it. I, I really don't care for the Razzies. I think it's a an anti-popularity contest in a way. Uh, but and and the fact that North didn't even win a Razzie Award, I think, is a, an, a, an, a, an achievement in and of itself. But it was nominated for like nine of these things. And that does kind of mean something. And Rob Reiner has never really uh, admitted that he made any mistakes with this movie. In fact, this quote that I have here is, I loved doing it. And some of the best jokes I ever had in a movie are in that movie. I made this little fable. And people got mad at me because, you know, I had done When Harry Met Sally and Misery and A Few Good Men. And everybody said, oh, it should be a more important kind of movie. I said, why? Why can't you just make a little slice of a fable or something? I think that's where he's getting lost. Somewhere where he thinks that that he was supposed to make an important movie and that's what we always expect of him. Yeah, I I read that quote. I remember I so you I, did. Okay. I I looked at it and I just looked at it and I was like you just uh, even I I like to think that even Kevin Costner can come to grips with movies that the movies that failed, you know, like that are pretty the ones that people I, joke about. I think he can. I think he can. The fact that like you're Rob Reiner, it's just like it's not like you only had you were a flash in the pan director. It's like I I just don't understand that stance. I don't get it. Like because I've because I w- didn't Richard Belzer like make him read like during a roast? Yes, he made him read some of the reviews. <laughs> I remember watching because that's when my that's you know what I I watched that entire roast. That's the only part I remember because I my ears perked up when North got mentioned. I was like, oh my god, are they gonna do this? And Rob Reiner had a great sense of humor about it. But when you find out that he actually does kind of like the movie and may in fact be the only person on the planet. Who likes the movie? So, just so you know, you're talking about the Razzie Awards because it's because I was shocked too that this didn't win any of those. Didn't like, win anything. So, do, well, you, do, do you know who did win? I, I've looked. I've got the main categories here of who won. Oh, I, I bet Stallone won that year. He didn't. Um, For the specialist. Well, no, Sharon Stone won. He was probably oh, nominated. I was close. I was very close. Best actor or worst actor is uh, Kevin Costner for Wyatt Earp. Crap. Uh, the Color of Night won for worst picture. <laughs> And uh, worst director went to Steven Seagal for On Deadly Ground. Okay, they might have a point with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty bad movie. Yeah, I mean, like, worst screenplay was The Flintstones. The worst prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel was (laughs) Wyatt Earp. No, 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 no. That's the one I cannot agree with. Um, O.J. Simpson being worst supporting actor has to be because of the... Absolutely. (laughs) That's the only reason why. You know exactly what that's for. Yeah, because it's not like all of a sudden O.J. forgot how to be Nordberg. Yeah. The rest of these, the rest of these are hilarious. Like worst screen couple ensembles interview with the vampire, and I'm like, I no, I, I See, don't. That's a no. I think that's a really good movie. I think that's a. It uh, is. It's a, it's a great Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, that's one of his. It's one of his best things. Uh, 
Yeah, Interview with Vampire is fine. Uh, North is not. No. Um, I, I, I don't. I want. I'm, I'm, I really. I'm. Just, I'm trying so hard to save how I truly feel about this film until the end, even though it's really hard since we're talking about other movies in comparison. But um, should we talk about what it's about? It, like what this is? Yes, absolutely. Uh, because it, to hear this plot is to believe it. Uh, because this is absolutely insane. Um, an overachieving, incredibly well-off and privileged young boy uh, gets tired of his parents and being unappreciated as, when you consider that he's being appreciated by everyone but his parents. So he decides to become a free agent and whores himself out to any potential parents all over the world and he has two months to do it or else he has to either choose his original parents if everyone else sucks or he becomes an orphan forever it's basically what it is and the linchpin is he has to be in their arms by 12 noon on labor day oh or something. my god thank you for reminding me of that because that is the oh man this movie um because yeah. here's the here's the thing that's amazing to me about the whole like the way the whole movie's structured so the movie i mean spoiler alert <laughs> The, it's 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 one of those it's all a dream movies which is fine i don't really mind that i mean it, it's overdone but i don't mind it but here's the problem uh everything that happens before the dream certainly doesn't feel like reality yeah yeah it i it doesn't feel like there's two different worlds is, is basically what i mean i've, I've never like i the on the whole, I don't like it was all a dream because it's it's a it's a cop out. It's easy. It doesn't mean there's any real consequences to any actions. But there are certain fables that work with it, like Wizard of Oz. Right, right. You know, Wizard of Oz does fine with it uh, to a lesser extent. Page Master. <laughs> like, well, know. and what's cool about Wizard of Oz is maybe it wasn't a dream. Like that's the fun thing about it. Yeah, I kind of like a little bit of a well hooks like that too. Like, right. God damn. Like if I really think about it, I can name tons of these things. Wizard of Oz is probably the best example of this type of, of movie. So like there is an, uh, there is a certain level of whimsy that I think Rob Reiner tries to instill in this movie that just doesn't stick. Uh, and so his so Elijah Wood's parents are this is what's so weird. It's uh, this is probably the one thing that most people would go, oh, that's that movie. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and Jason Alexander, George and Elaine from Seinfeld, are, are Elijah Wood's parents. And man, I've always kind of stood up for Jason Alexander in other roles other than George. Like Pretty Woman, he's amazing. Um, he is just doing George yes. with a toupee on yeah. in this movie. Especially, like that dinner scene. Yeah, it's awful. It's so bad, and and it's so bad that I don't. I'm not even quite sure what they're talking about. Like my brain is refusing to process it. <laughs> just like nope, it's just hot garbage. Yeah, and and this is the reality scene. You know, this is what's taking place in the real world. Right. It's wow. And even as a kid, I remember the um, when he announces that he's going to go as a free agent and get new parents. That the comatose scenes were so odd to me uh, as a kid. It, it, it was kind of like uneasy feeling. Like it was just, I, I think Roger Ebert might have said it, although it might, he, I don't think he applied it to this scene, but he said, I felt unclean. <laughs> and that's, I don't think he means in this scene in particular, but yeah, that, that courtroom scene where they're uh, jacked up on those beds and Alan Arkin's, tr- everyone is trying to be funny. Everyone is trying so hard. 
to do something that's funny. And it's remarkable because there is some genuinely funny people in this movie. There's John Lovitz. There's John Ritter. I mean, there's Dan Aykroyd. there, There are plenty of funny people in this movie. And yet... I, I I honestly I don't know if I laughed not one time other than the the sight of Bruce Willis in a bunny suit that that will always be one of my oh, favorite images so let's talk about that so the Bruce Willis character uh, or characters I kind of like the way Bruce did this where he basically plays like eight different characters but he's really only playing two like the cowboy character is the first new one after the bunny suit and the and the cowboy's kind of different. And you're like, oh, he's trying something a little different with this character. And then every other time he pops up in the movie, it's just Bruce Willis. <laughs> it's just like Bruce just gave up. Bruce, uh, this is this. Ninety four is a fascinating Bruce year because tell me about it. Because like because <laughs> we just mentioned the color of night. So you've got he's yep. he's got that still he's still trying to be like this edgy thriller actor. And it's like it doesn't work, man. Even when you show your junk, it doesn't work. Um, he's got this where it's like, oh, I'm kind of trying that comedy thing some more. You guys take, you guys like me yet doing this? No. In his Pulp Fiction, of course, it turns it all around, which is interesting because the Pulp Fiction is all about, oh, it's John Travolta's comeback. It's like, kind of think it's Bruce's comeback too a little bit because it, with the exception of like the look who's talking stuff, after Die Hard two, there's it's kind of dry. There's not kind a of. there's not a lot of like hit. Well, hit movies for bruce striking distance or i mean like we like the last boy scout it does it was it wasn't like but it wasn't it didn't hit for him at the time like uh and also ran Mm -hmm. you know yeah it just kind of felt like oh he like let's make a movie like die hard but not be die hard yeah i agree i agree britain bruce this was like the beginning of his uh i don't want to say his uh resurgence but more of a second career where Mm -hmm. he could do like movies where he wasn't necessarily like reliant on holding a gun and like like 12 monkeys is, is kind of like okay let, let, i'll try this you know bruce was in this i'll try this kind of mode and yeah bruce is like as a voiceover actor he's fantastic and luke who's talking i i think uh here and it's not that he's not likable it's just i don't i think he has an interesting chemistry with elijah wood despite the script doing its best to convince me otherwise and, and and I think that's that's where the movie is a real pickle to me is that I really love Bruce Willis and Elijah Wood, especially young Elijah Wood. Um, you know, like he had done Good Son, Huck Finn. He was great. And it's unbelievable to me that this movie, as bad as it is, it didn't kill any careers. I mean, you can make an argument for Rob Reiner's, but nobody was really hurt by this movie. <laughs> And they could have easily gone that way. Yeah, I mean, um, this this I mean, we don't have to dive in this quite yet, but it's definitely worth pointing out. Like, I I don't know if this is a passion project, but it has all the makings of this is a passion project. It just feels that way when you look at like the, some of the people involved and uh, that are behind the scenes with it. It just looks like Reiner wanted to Reiner wanted to go do something fun on his own and kind of uh, maybe work with the pals. You know, and, and put together his own little thing where maybe there isn't as much like, uh, I don't know, people around to say, hey, maybe this should be done this way versus that way. And because this movie's a $40 million comedy, which in 94 is an expensive, expensive movie that you are just not going to, you're not going to make that back. Not really. I mean, I don't, 
I don't even know. Like good. Like let's talk. Look who's talking. For example, like that's a comedy that killed. But I don't. I don't even know if it killed like to that level that quickly. It probably took some time for a movie like Look Who's Talking to earn it back. North was North was under behind the eight ball from the start, and it just screams that like there wasn't a lot of control. Nobody really had control over this movie. That's why you're talking about like Arkin. These guys are trying to. They're really trying hard to be funny, and it's like good directing would probably say. You don't have to try that hard. You can just do this, and it'll you work. Just do it. Right. Exactly. Trust the script. And clearly nobody did. <laughs> no. No. Um, what, what about this? Uh, so mention John Lovitz. John Lovitz is the lawyer. And I love how, like, on the nose this movie is. And by, by love, I mean hate. Like, he's literally introduced as a lawyer that's chasing an ambulance. <laughs> and it's just like... Yeah. It doesn't get any more on the nose than that. And then they introduce this old trope of this is a 90s trope. Only I'm not nearly as annoyed in this movie as I am in most others where the smartest person in the movie is, in fact, a kid. And it's uh, I'm sure he's your favorite character in the movie. <laughs> I want to talk. I wanted oh, to talk to you man. about him, <laughs> man. So real quick, we'll just just to cap on my thing. Look yeah, who's talking. Look who's talking. Made twelve million this opening weekend. It goes on to make like over two hundred, well over two hundred worldwide. But in that first weekend, like it, it took a while. It was a word of mouth type of movie, and it got oh, to that yeah. point. And that's all North had, maybe had going for. It. It's like maybe the word of mouth will help. It didn't, of course. But that lawyer kid sucks. He's terrible. Um, and and I know he's had, and, and it's probably no offense to the actor himself because he's he's still working. I he's believe. done other things, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen him before, dude. He's got some. Mo- I I got to look up this movie that he was in with Kirk Douglas and Craig T. Nelson. I was like, whoa. Oh boy. I want to see this movie. <laughs> but, he's probably their mob boss or something. Yeah, I, I I this is because his his character, his portrayal, and everything. This is where I ask the question, who is this movie supposed to be for? Who's the audience? Right. Because... Yeah, no, you're right. Because that kid becomes like a prominent part of this. is like kind of like the heel of it. And it doesn't when, seem that way at first. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And when you look at everybody around the movie, like, all right, Bruce Willis, he's acting this way, and the parents are talking, like, this is their dialogue, and then Elijah Wood, and it's like, this doesn't feel like a kid's movie. It doesn't feel like a movie necessarily for, like, adults just wanting to go... You know, see a Rob Reiner movie typically. You know what I mean? Like this, the, the, he's not the people I went and saw. A few good men, or even um, uh, you know, we can toss out Misery. Sure, but it's like I, I just—that's part of the thing where there just needed to be a little bit more control. It's like, wait a second, who is the audience? Because I, I don't think this movie ever understands that, and that's why it also fails. Fails like in the end is because it just. I don't think it knows what its end mark is. It's just going in all these different directions, which I think speaks towards the the writer. Like when you look at the like this is based off of a book, which I'm hilariously like there is no like no Wikipedia page. No, for it. you can't like and 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 then like I, I looked at the guy's resume. It's like this is an Emmy award winner, Alan Zweibel, Zweibel, whatever. Yeah. I, he's won Emmys for writing for Saturday Night Live, and that's when it hit me. I was like, this movie is just a ninety minute SNL sketch. That's this is a sketch comedy routine for ninety minutes, because when you look at it, like it's built around all the like you could see this happening on something like SNL where it's like it's all built all around the guest appearances. It's like who's gonna come in and be the parents for this round? Oh look, guess what? The end joke. It's a uh, it's Kelly McGillis in an as an Amish. Right. Like of course. So that's that's what um, that's what I was like. That's the problem is that this like is not a real week to week. Yeah, this 
Or, man, can you imagine experimentation if SNL did a 90-minute? Can you oh, imagine God. if they did just one sketch? Well, well, well here it is. <laughs> there you go. And it just <laughs> and it just crashes. But, man, that kid, yeah, it's brutal when he's and he gets on there. Uh, and Lovitz is stuck with him uh, for the entire movie. Like, so, that, so this is the B plot, and this is when it – as if it wasn't crazy enough, they went, well, why don't we try to make it so that the lawyer is trying to – find a way to become president of the United States because all of the children, 80% of the children in the world are rebelling against their parents and they're trying to change the legal voting age to seven. This, this, this movie is insane. This, this is the, this is the Trump playbook almost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but these kids seem educated. <laughs> like, 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 I mean, <laughs> the way that they talk to their, their parents, I'm just like, what? Like, can you imagine being a parent and your kid asking you to take him to see this movie and you and, and you see what it's about and you're like, what? You know, like, like what, what, why would I take my kid to see a movie where that's about a, a, a kid who doesn't like his parents and he wants to leave? Right. I really need to do a poll with other people that like that. I, that I went that I was like in middle school and high school with to see like, did you guys ever see this? Because I never heard anybody talk about this movie ever. That's why when you said that, like. What kid would, what kid and what parents like? Well, me, I, I was the kid who wanted to see it. <laughs> like, but I, but like, but you're right. I don't, I don't. I just assumed that you had seen it. I don't really. I don't think I know anybody that's seen this movie. I need to see the trailer to see like how they marketed it again. Well, I, the trailer I remembered being quite charming. Uh, you know, like you know, with that typical like mid '90s score. Like Mark Shaman did the score who worked with uh, Rob Reiner a couple of times and Billy Crystal also. And he knows how to do that 90s, just whimsical kind of. It's all cut from the same cloth, whether it's something like uh, Hook or Mrs. Doubtfire or something like that. It, right. it, it puts you right in that frame of mind. And uh, I'll tell you one thing. Like One thing I think I thought was, was I, the, I, the one thing that I think really works in this movie is that opening credit sequence. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and it works so well that I'm, I, I feel like the movie is afraid to start. <laughs> it made like it, it, you like this it, we'll just do this for 90 minutes totally made me think of that new zemeckis movie coming out like oh, that, marwin yeah mm -hmm. yeah it made me yeah, think of that interesting yeah uh so you've seen the trailer for marwin right not to get off topic but yeah you've seen that trailer is am i the only person who finds it funny that w when they show steve carell getting hit in the head the way he falls is hilarious to me <laughs> Is it like Kane taking a chair shot? <laughs> yeah, he just kind of he just kind of spins real slow, like. <laughs> and, you know, there's something very careful they're doing in that trailer. They're not saying why he gets his. Oh, he, I know. They're not saying it. Oh, I know. But like yeah. that's that's what I thought was the, interesting. Just go just go to the Facebook comments. They'll tell you. Because like I find that fascinating. Because like at some point the 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 agency that has the, that that's getting paid to to do the the marketing for that thing is like okay, we've got to cut this together. Got to be careful not to mention this or that. You know, they just it, it's 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 interesting because you look at a movie, you look at a movie like uh, what's what's the boy boy erased right? Yeah, yeah. Where it's like here it is. They put it on Front Street. Like they're just like we're coming right at you with it, and you can either. It's interesting. Like I, I did not think we were going to get off on this tangent, but I've been thinking about this lately. It's like it's perfectly fine nowadays to to show the extremes. But it's not so much okay to show what's in the middle. Yeah, that's it. You know no, what I mean? Yeah, because the extremes are what's going to make people feel something to go see the movie. Like that's right. It's like 
it's like, oh, gay. I can under, I, I understand gay. Transgender, I'm getting there. I'll understand that. Cross-dressing, I still don't understand that. Does that mean he's gay? Does that mean he's a transgender? Like, I can see this, like, <laughs> in the in the marketing department of, of, of right. how they put these movies together and them going, I don't know how to market this. Nobody knows what this is. And just like, oh, my God, you guys are so stupid. Because we, we see, like, on, well, we did see, like, on DVDs predominantly. Now, like, I mean, like, you can still see them out there. It's like you can see alter- – we see director's cuts. We see all these different cuts. I want to see alternate cuts of trailers, like the first drafts or the second drafts. Where, oh, absolutely. Because it would be fascinating to see, you know, what was what was originally going to be pushed out there as the as the thrust of the movie. And it's not to say this that, that Marwin movie looks great. It looks, I think it looks – it's the most excited I've been for a Zemeckis film in probably two decades i i was so like i love the trailer for flight but i've never seen it <laughs> <laughs> you should flight is a very good movie we've but got you're right that trailer's awesome the kids have a plane and it's got like the pilot the, the it's got a black pilot and i always turn it upside down like i'm gonna land it because <laughs> i just that trailer is so good He's going to do it. He's going to do it. But of course, I'm like, well, I got to have a little bit of this first. Oh, go, yeah. go, go. <laughs> I can take bumps again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to North. As fun as that was. Uh, so so anyway, uh, the, the judge decrees that he can go visit other parents and and, and simply because Julie Dreyfus and Jason Alexander are comatose and they're too stupid to know that. Like, it's, it's just weird. So this is when the movie, uh, this is where the real meat of the movie uh, lives is in these meetings. Uh, first stop, uh, Texas, Dan Aykroyd and Reba McIntyre. And and this is this kind of sets the tone for what we're about to see for the remainder of the movie, at least in regards to the parents leading up to uh, John Ritter, is that this movie is full of stereotypes. And and they get they get a little worse <laughs> after after a while. But you just got like 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 whatever like whatever your idea of Texas is, if you've never been to Texas, that's what that's what this is. Yeah, and and that that god awful musical number that uh, they force on him. The only and, thing I liked in that oh, section, you like something. the only thing <laughs> I liked in that section, because I was hoping that this was going to be kind of a, a subtle motif throughout it, is like he's going to these places that are trying to fill a void themselves. He's trying to fill a void that her parents, they're trying to fill a void that is, and and the easy one is right off the bat, like their previous son had passed away. And I was like, oh, okay, could this be something really, could, could we be, you know, going into something here? Something that would be a little bit more either thought-provoking or whatever. And unfortunately, like, it, first of all, like, his death is treated as kind of a joke. And then, like, when we go on to the other parents, like, it's never really, like, that, that it doesn't carry on or anything. And I was like, oh, man, that would have been something so, fascinating. No, you're absolutely right, because... It, I didn't think of that necessarily, but I can expound on that uh, with things that I was thinking about. Um, North thinks very highly of himself. And whenever he goes to one of these groups of parents, they all, you're right, they all have something in their lives that's missing and they expect him to fill it. And North takes, um, he takes offense to that. 
uh, North doesn't treat these things seriously. Like, like there was something Siskel said, Gene Siskel said in, in his review with Roger Rupp that I really liked. He goes, and it was something along the lines of, you can make a good story out of anything. This, But this stinks. And I actually do think there is a good movie with this idea. Somewhat. I, I don't know what to do with it. But something like what you just touched on, that's interesting. Like, I think there's a way to do this in a way that's not so fantastical. Uh, it's because it is an interesting idea. And to talk about loss and and why would you want to adopt a complete stranger like that's 11 years old who's incredibly smart? Why would you want to change him into your ways? You know, it's like, well, what are you trying to accomplish here? Um, I think that that's a great point, and I think it would have been amazing if they had truly gone with it. But by the time we get to the next set of parents, uh, that thing about voids oh. e- either becomes a sick joke or it's just a dis- or it's just disgusting. Um, because uh, I believe next he goes to Hawaii, correct? Yeah, where it's a live and fertile land where the only thing that's barren is my wife. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, whoa. Holy cow. <laughs> like, and, and, and I'll tell you, she takes it like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> like, she takes that really well, and it's just like, Jesus. And uh, so then we get to, like, and uh, it's the chick from Bad Santa. Like, that's the only thing I know her from, um, uh, Tony Cox's girlfriend. And I, I've seen that dad so many times, but I can't think of a single thing he was in. <laughs> But that, what was the what was that ad? Because they they do a parody oh, basically. Of, oh, is it the sunblock? Yes. Is that yes. it? Yeah. Yes. Because it took me a second because I was like, oh, this wouldn't happen today. No. But then I remembered. Oh wait a minute! I've seen this before, you know, and and just I constantly hear a 10, 11 year old say, "My crack." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What movie am I watching?" You know, it's just like it was getting more and more uh, uncomfortable as it went along. <laughs> Um, so after Hawaii, he goes to Alaska, and I believe this is where it gets the most offensive. Um, he goes to see what a couple, Graham Greene and Kathy Bates, as Eskimos. Kathy, really Ka- to, Kathy Bates I had is to do a, a double. Take. She's particularly like it's particularly bad the way she's the. It's awful. I mean, it's Academy a Academy Award winner. Yeah, I mean, it was a different time. You could get away with this. <laughs> oh, very much so. Like, I had to do a double take. I didn't even realize it was her at first. And then I was like, oh, my God, no. Oh, no. And then, like, to make it even more confusing, pff, here comes Abe Vigoda. <laughs> like, like, I guess he's in this, too. And, you know, we're going to ship him off to hell. And uh, this is where Richard Belzer makes his, my God, there's so many people in this movie. And Richard Belzer is almost funny. He's just in the wrong movie. (laughs) Like, this would be fun. I can't think of in what context what he's doing is funny, but it is funny just in something else. Because here, it's just like, oh my god, they really are just throwing anything and everything at the wall to see what'll stick. Now, And and keep in mind, Bruce Willis keeps showing up. (laughs) Right. Right. So, yeah, so what is he? In Texas, he's, okay, because, yeah, I shouldn't have skipped over that. In Texas, he's the cowboy uh, who, oh, here we go, the totem. He shoots a, a coin. I was waiting for this to really pay off, and the way it pays Weren't off you? is so lame. 
it doesn't pay off at all. It pays on. Yeah, because because for one thing, it, I guarantee you nobody is taking that coin for payment for anything. <sighs> if it's got a hole, and it's besides, I've never seen a quarter that looks like the size of a half dollar. You know, like that thing is huge. It's huge. It is unbelievably huge. And and this is so basically like Elijah Wood keeps seeing Bruce Willis in all these uh, places that he goes as different characters, but it's still Bruce Willis. And Elijah Wood only questions it for about five seconds at a time. And and it's not like these are different characters and it's not like he like Bruce is like imparting different wisdom in every single scene. No, it's the same wisdom every single time. <laughs> like It's like that's what you said in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing new there. They needed to probably get rid of some of these parent scenes. Like, maybe a few less parent couples. That's funny, man. As, the way I remembered the movie, there was at least ten more. <laughs> I remembered there being so much more. Because I always remembered that John Ritter was the last one. And all of a sudden, John Ritter shows up, and I'm like, oh, it's almost over. <laughs> I got so excited. But... um. We talked about this off air. We do have to bring this up because this uh, is probably what the movie is most remembered for now. Um, there is a scene where the snot-nosed little kid and John Lovitz are getting massages. And it's, by the way, it's really weird to see a nine, ten-year-old get a massage. Uh, it just, it just didn't feel right watching that. Uh, they are served drinks by Bryn Hartman. Uh, you might know her as the woman who murdered her husband, uh, Phil Hartman. And this was her one film role. That's right. Yes, I, I'm almost 100 percent on that. Yes. So if this movie could have killed anyone's career, it would have been Bryn Hartman's, I guess. Uh, well, it killed something yeah. later on. Killed but something. Yeah, yeah, it might, it might have killed two things. Uh, and it's it's a really, I, I don't mean to make light of it. It's a really uh, disturbing scene to watch because of the, um, because simply because of John Lovitz, John Lovitz and Phil Hartman, of course, very close. John Lovitz replaced. Well, he didn't replace, but he basically took his place on news radio and the whole Andy Dick thing. It's just it's a big, dark cloud that that hangs over this movie that as if there weren't enough problems with it. And then you got to deal with this. And when you're aware of that and you see that there's really no coming back, no matter how, what you feel about the movie. I, it just it just completely hurts the movie. <laughs> it's true. I mean, like in wrestling, it's when you see Chris Benoit and his wife when she was a valet Oh yeah, it's, it's done. It's very, it's very weird. I mean, when he's wrestling, for example, it's one thing. Yeah, exactly. With this lady, though, it's this is it. It's the one and only thing, and it just happens to be with like your husband's like really, really good friend who pretty much stood up for him and kind of you, I guess, in this weird way. When Andy Dick mouthed off a few years ago about it, or many years ago about it, so it's yeah, it is a it is a dark cloud. <laughs> it's, yeah. Couldn't have happened to a better movie. <laughs> Couldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, it could have been another movie the, that was actually that, good. That's that the, that's the only silver lining of this. Is like it's not like this. This it's not like I will watch this again. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be another twenty years before you yeah. see it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna do a revisiting episode in twenty years. Like, oh, what do you think about North now? It's worse. <laughs> so much worse. <laughs> Um, I, I literally wrote a note that just says more bullshit. <laughs> this must have been the, the only thing I can think of is he must have just like they must have just done a montage of him going to, across the wall. Yeah, because all right, so don't they do that? Yeah, it's like like so in movies like there's this there. I, 
I don't know if you call it, this isn't necessarily the rule of three thing. It's not that, but it's like anytime you're going to repeat something multiple times in the movie, it gets shorter and shorter each time. Because by that point, like the, like they spend, he probably spends what the most time with in Texas. That's the most time we see him with a family. And then it's a little less with Hawaii. And a little less with Alaska. And then by the time he gets to the Amish country, he touches down and then gets right back into the plane and takes off. Which, it by the almost... way, <laughs> where, oh, go ahead, go where's ahead. the money coming from for these flights? Where's the money coming from? <laughs> it was all a dream. <laughs> I really like the structure of this of these uh, these visits with these people because it it is it's not the, it's not quite the same, but it's very close to how a Rocky fight pans out. <laughs> It's very close. It's like they just added one more. Like, like we got to see round three finally. <laughs> okay, now let's get to twelve. <laughs> oh god. Um. So he goes to, like, we have to offend every country. He goes to Paris, I believe, and I only remember that because of the hat he was wearing. <laughs> yeah, it, like the easiest, like oldest, dumbest joke. Oh, they all watched Jerry Lewis. They, oh yeah, and they're watching. That's right, they're watching Jerry Lewis on every channel. Every channel he turns to is Jerry Lewis, and he can't he can't understand why. Which like I remember I remember that being such that joke appeared in every TV show, movie, whatever that referenced France it was like. Oh, they're the ones who like Jerry Lewis all the time. It's like what? <laughs> like that's 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 our go to, and it's still uh, yeah. I had never heard of that. Uh, <laughs> like. Because it's like, it's pretty bad. Jerry Lewis shows up, and he can't even make me laugh. I'm just like, get out of here, man. <laughs> Screwed over your kids. You know? <laughs> but uh, uh, does he go to Australia? Like, I'm trying to remember the places that he goes. Well, he, goes really he goes to China. He goes to that, China. That's, that's pretty offensive, that's, too. Well, yeah, <laughs> Shanghai, no. <laughs> no, it's pretty bad. Um, God bless. So... What I actually wrote out all of Bruce Willis's characters: <laughs> like, uh, bunny, cowboy, a tobogganer, a beach bum, the comedian. Holy cow! Oh wow! Oh boy! This comedian. Good. So the comedian, like, all I think of is like, this is this is Bruce Willis's move. He, he this is representational of his acting career in 2018. It's like he's <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> I felt like I was watching deleted scenes from Hudson Hawk. Like that's kind of what this feels like. Isn't this funny? No, no, not at all. And <laughs> but he thinks he's really funny, and he thinks he's really important. It's like, oh, man. Just like Bruce. Yeah. Just like Bruce. And then there's this this blatant product placement for – or not even product placement, but like brand placement for uh, Federal Express. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Which yeah. Which is just like, boy, it, it was Federal Express. Like, how much did they pay for this movie? Because <laughs> – because that was a that was a hell of a uh, of a of a handshake <laughs> that he gave to I Federal mean, Express. Federal Express or FedEx, whatever. Like I mean, like not, what's what's funny is like like the the three quintessential FedEx movies now are, are Castaway, Uncle Buck, and this. It's like <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you don't even bother to dignify this movie with its title. <laughs> this. <laughs> Yeah, because when I think of FedEx, I honestly like well the first thing I think of is Castaway. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't think of North, but I will now. <laughs> and the reason I think of Uncle Buck is just because of Marcy's line. I guess I'll wait for the Federal Express Federal Man. Express Man. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. this is probably um the thing I remember most about this movie as a kid is that um 
when he goes to, to see the final family, which is Faith Ford and John Ritter, I really wanted him to stay with them. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> like, they are a wonderful family. And not to mention Scarlett Johansson. Never heard of her. <laughs> oh, God. It's good. It was really just like John Ritter is just so good. In, in this little bit. And th- and that was my real takeaway, really, from the entire movie. Just, God, I miss John Ritter. Uh, the death just, count in this movie is high. Oh, it, oh, well. You've got... All right, because you got Alexander Gudinoff. He's dead. You've got... Yeah. You've got... Um, Bren Hartman. <laughs> she's, she's, Number two. <laughs> Wherever she belongs. <laughs> you've got... You've got John Ritter and... I, Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda's in there. Arkin's not far behind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't believe he's not dead yet. Uh, what was I was gonna say, like, I, don't you think North would have been just interesting if they'd eliminated all the families and just had him go try to live with John Ritter's family? And that, yeah. and it's the best dynamics. See, it's like you're not the number one anymore. These kids are smarter than you. They're better than you. And now your whole thing is you're trying to comp- overcompensate. So by the end of it, you realize I shouldn't have to do this to earn affection. That would have been. That's really not bad. That would have been a much better because I like yeah. them. You're right. They're much cooler people to they're watch much cooler and like they're playing football in the back in the in the backyard while while the mom's like cooking hot dogs and burgers it's like jesus it's like yeah they're the all-american family they really nailed that and um in the meantime um uh blonde-haired slick back shithead is in the process <laughs> of, of <laughs> Video editing the hell out of <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus. Like, like how? So North, he's got a four GPA. He's the smartest kid in town. He's Which they have smart. GPAs in middle school. Yes, like, yes, they do. <laughs> like, they're this. doing Hamlet. That's your point of, con- that's your point of contention. <laughs> yes, they are doing Hamlet. <laughs> but, but he's so smart. But he doesn't understand the difference from his own father. The difference between you and Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, he's not too bright, is he? And like, I like, I, I do like the uh, the shithead kids, like arcade room. I, I must. Oh say. man, they, impressive! I feel like most of the budget oh. went to this. <laughs> this is some good product placement. It's it's every great arcade game from our childhood. Yes. It's like Mortal Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam, Turtles in Time, Terminator, Terminator 2. Two. Oh my god! Because yeah. it's the Terminator Two with the the guns. Like, yeah, oh, it's not the yeah. Super Nintendo controller like version that I have. No, oh. it's the one that was actually in the. I geeked out over that more than anything. Was it, the arcade the, selection? It just needed there. all it needed was Lethal Enforcers, like oh, the Tango and Cash game. Yeah, well, no, that's Lucky and Wild. That, Lucky and Wild is a. I, Lucky and Wild was I have, favorite. If there was one of these I would buy, if I was a, bit, a rich enough douchebag to be able to buy arcade games for my house, I want Lucky and Wild because then it's just like, all right, Wyatt, you're driving. I'm Daddy's just See, shooting. It's the perfect. It's the perfect co-op. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I totally forgot about Lucky and Wild because the one I was looking for was WrestleFest. Yeah, WrestleFest. Yeah. Oh, right. the laundry mats always had that one. Thank God. Every. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Wasn't that Capcom? Yeah. I think. God. Yeah, Capcom had the rights to do the WWF arcade games, but not on the consoles. Thanks a lot. Thanks thanks for coming. That game felt so epic for pro wrestling. It's how it's how wrestlers look to us, you know, mm -hmm. like when we were kids. Like that's what was so cool about it. And like and and it was the first wrestling game I remember that I ever realized had ring entrances. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Like that was a big deal back then. Ah, getting off on the wrestling tangent. That's a great, I mean, um, that that's, that's, it's hilarious. That is the, the one like scene you can geek out over is that. Cause like, absolutely. they so nail it. So many movies punt on this. And anytime like there's gaming systems in the nineties or whatever, it just seems like they don't, this one is like, no, this you know what? what? They would have. Here we oh. go. <laughs> yeah. Like, like John Lovitz is actually playing turtles in time. You know, I was like, wow. It, like, Show me a movie where John Lovitz plays Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Turtles in Time. <laughs> it, it exists. Yeah. It's north. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, put, put it back. Put it back. <laughs> um, I will give the movie this. The, the highest compliment I can give this movie is I really do admire the production design. Uh, the movie I, I has a really nice look to it. Uh, and from set dressings to costumes, uh, like, like everything looks nice. It's just what's under the hood. Uh, like once you really get into the, like the meat and bones of this thing, like I love the idea, like like oh like oh God, North has to go to his wishing spot, you know like that's the that's the thing we didn't really mention is is when the the what do you call it when the dream world starts is when he goes into the mall and sits in a lazy boy like while people are you know trying to conduct business, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and that's when Bruce Willis sits next to him and this is apparently when when the magic happens, and it's just like yeah an, an unintended. 10-year-old child just sitting in a chair in the middle of a mall with no parental supervision. I mean, I get it. I know this is supposed to be fiction, a fable, whatever you want to call it, but we're still in the real world. Like that's, I think that would have helped this movie so much more is if you would have separated the two, clearly made a clear distinction. If, if Kansas is already in color, I don't even give a shit about Oz. Right. I don't even care. <laughs> You know, like the Page Master. I keep using that movie, but that's another one. It's a real world cartoon. It's like, I, and you know what's also interesting with this movie is that I have never heard a single actor from this movie talk about this movie. Not one. Because I, I bet you they were afraid it was gonna. It, it was. It. It was. It was gonna be a torpedo. Like that would. They not... all signed NDAs. <laughs> Every single one. Just no. I will never talk about this movie ever. Because like Bateman, somebody's funny. Because I mean, when he talks about Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf Two, it's I mean, it's a hilarious jest, of course. Like I yeah. mean, I, I mean, he's come I would to. Be, I, I would be so fascinated to hear people talk about this movie, just like Teen Wolf Two. Like, I, like when I think about Dan Aykroyd movies that I shouldn't know anything about that I know about, I really hate that I know more about Nothing But Trouble than I know about North. Yeah, yeah, it's like like. It's just it was the movie forty three of its day, <laughs> but anyway. So, um, as we said earlier, it's all a dream, and it's not so much that I don't like it's all a dream. Like I said, I, some, under the right circumstances, I don't mind it. What I do mind is that he, you can basically take the first ten minutes of the movie, cut out the next sixty minutes, and then just splice in the final five minutes and it feels like you just watched a 20 minute short because he ends up staying with his parents and th- that is what i hate that i hate that kind of crap when movies do that it's like well then why did we even do this exactly <laughs> exactly that's yeah man that's like i'm trying to i remember in high school when we broke this down about rhyme of the ancient mariner an amazing poem, right? Like it's 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 famous for all of time, but like when you really get down to like the like the the theme of it, it's like yeah, don't shoot birds. Like bird like birds are uh, creatures of the 
the plant, don't shoot them. Otherwise, you know, you'll be stranded out in the water and, you know, you'll die of, uh, of, uh, thirst and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's, it was cause we thought the same thing, even going through something like that. I was like, wow, you went through all that. And that was what the whole, that's what we were just trying to get at. That was it. And that's the same thing with, that was the same thing with the movie like this. Cause it, I, as soon as, the, the premise is in full gear. I'm like, well, there's no way he's not getting back with his parents. So what's the point? I mean, there's... I don't know where I've seen this movie before, but I have seen this movie Can you before. imagine if he if he, if he he didn't? What I'd be like, whoa. Oh, if he just whoa. shot him or something. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. dude, Carmine is just like... Carmine from Die Hard 2 is just like, you dude, know what? What is going on with Carmine? Thank you. I almost forgot about him. Wow. Like, like, because it's like, oh man, what else can we get away with? How about we shoot at a kid? Oh my god! Like, like in broad lot. daylight, or not? Well, not not broad daylight. It's it's at nighttime, but there are people. Just give around. me the parking ticket, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> like, where's Bruce Willis when you need him now? Right. Like, it's amazing how many people that are in this movie have been in Die Hard movies. Yeah, it's a Die Hard nexus. It, it kind of is because yeah, you got uh, Alexander Goodenough. <laughs> yeah, you got Graham Greene. Graham Greene, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, it's I mean, a it, Die Hard Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it have been great though, as if in Sin City, Bruce Willis like just popped up and just looked at Elijah Wood at one point, just shook his head, <laughs> and then walked <laughs> off. <laughs> he just takes a bite out of a carrot because he because they're not in the same story. I don't think in in Sin City, but it still would have been cool to see to to see them just just cross paths in there one Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah, give me, give me, give me that North reunion. You know, where I've been holding out. <laughs> we were in that movie that we don't talk about. We never mention. But uh, we just never mention it. We just never talk about it. Like, because yeah, um, Elijah Wood. I mean, he just he was like a real fixture. I mean, I, I don't want to say he was the biggest. Like, he was probably second to Macaulay. But Elijah was like a really good actor, and it's just uh, amazing to me that that he would not only sign on to do this movie, but uh, just the movie would just be so poor for him, you know, at this time and how it really didn't seem to do anything to him. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, that happened. Maybe it's simply because nobody saw it. I think that like, you know how you're saying like, this didn't like hurt like this, this totally, I think the the only person whose career this does affect is Reiner's. And the only I reason I say, and the, and the only reason I say that is like, he never, he never ever does a movie like this ever again. Not even no, close. No, because, you know, like we t- we talked about it off air. Um, these those previous movies that I mentioned. The thing that's so cool about those movies being so good is that they pretty much are all from different genres, and that's what's great. But North, he kind of already did this genre with Princess Bride, and he did it a lot better. And yes, I think you're right. He doesn't really ever go back to this. Now I remember Alex and Emma being a little strange uh, with with how it, it dealt with its narrative, um, but that's not a kids movie. No, it's like this movie was the bump in the tracks. Luckily, he was able to crank out American President immediately after. And then he kind of, you know, floundered a bit there. Like Ghost of Mississippi, Story of Us, pretty good. But he never was able to get to that 1984 to 1992 peak no, it, it, ever again. Ghost of, I'm, I, I, that's, the, that's the other one I had forgotten about. That's, that's a great picture. It's a really good. That's Ghost a, of Mississippi. That's a good. And it's James Woods who really is the. Mm-hmm. He really elevates that thing. That's a good. That's a. But yeah, like I, I just, I, I bet you because, and that's the thing I was talking about earlier. And I think this movie's a great case study for it. Like, 
I don't know how much of a passion project this was, but this was something he cared about an awful lot because apparently his stance on it is that he still thinks this was a good idea to do it. Man, passion projects are so fascinating in Hollywood, like how they can totally like I was thinking about William Friedkin today because, you know, he was at the height of his hubris coming off of Exorcist. And it's like, I'm going to go remake this French movie. It's going to I'm going to call it The Sorcerer. I'm going to get Roy Scheider. We're going to we're going to spend a bunch of money, go down to South America and guess what? The budget gets out of control. Nobody ends up seeing this movie. It, it's garnered a better reputation in recent years as people have discovered it through all the different ways that you can now. But at the time, it was just this thing just it it, it killed him. Like Friedkin never really recovered yeah. from that. He went on to do, you know, To Live and Die in L.A. You know, there, there are other movies he did that are, you know, I, I like The Hunted. I like Blue Chips. But those movies are nowhere near significant. Look at, you look at... um. Uh, Michael Cimino, you know, he does his. It's Heaven's Gate, and that is it for him. Like, there is no com- like, there's nothing more for Michael Cimino really after that point because of again, it's like when there's no control when there's nobody there to like when there's nobody that you'll listen to when you're at the helm of this. You're like, I've got this thing. I've wanted to do it for years, and I know exactly how to do it. I don't think you know how to do it. Get away from me. I've got all the money. I'm making this thing, and it ends up being just a mess. And I was trying to think of like one where it worked, and like I think of Ed Harris with Pollock. Ed Harris was obsessed with making a Jackson Pollock movie, and he he did. And he made, and it granted like is it was it box office hit? Probably I don't I don't think that was no, but critically like got him a, a, a I don't think he got best director nomination, but he got best actor nomination, and Marsha Gay Harden won for the movie. Like it was a it was a big movie for its for its time in its own way. I just think these movies are so fascinating. Like Costner, Co- Waterworld, it 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 did a number on him. Like that movie hurt him well, significantly. Well, he was never the same. You know, I mean, it, it. I think these. this is such, it's such a fascinating case study is to look at these types of movies. And it's not just to say, like, big budget movies that bomb are not passion projects. Like, The Lone Ranger, I'm pretty sure, is not a Gore Verbinski passion project. That was just a bomb. Like, those happen too. But there's some of these movies we hear about where these guys are just obsessed with making these. Like, Soderbergh with those Che movies. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. Like, who's going to go see a three-hour movie that's in subtitles about Benicio Del Toro as a questionable revolutionary? Like, it, it, it's, <laughs> that's, what's the audience for it? And that's the thing. There, there, there isn't one necessarily for it. And, um, yeah, that, that's, what, that's what I thought was just fascinating coming out of this movie. I was just thinking about, like, how I don't, I don't think that's, it's, it's such a thing anymore because there just isn't room for this type of movie to exist. You either have tentpole like uh 100 200 300 million dollar budget superhero tentpole ip over here and then on the other side it's like 20 million or less horror movie (laughs) and and then that gap in between is just there's a couple no man's land dude it it is like i loved hearing (laughs) you know damon talk about manchester by the sea and they struggled with the budget. They struggled to get a budget. And, like, they had this ending that they really wanted to do that sounded really cool but didn't have the money for it because there weren't people that were willing to take a chance on the $17 million drama anymore. You know? And it's like, oh, that sucks. Like, because like, oh, yeah. the 90s was just full of movies like that. And it's just something that it – they'll come. And they did good business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, a, you look, a director – that's why it's fascinating. A director like Rob Reiner – you look at like you know, does rumor has it you know maybe if rumor has it came out in the nineties, 
would have done better. Didn't do that great in the 2000s. Uh, I'm trying to think of... He did that LBJ. That was another attempt at trying to like kind of get back into, oh, biopics are a thing, but I don't think that really hit the way you know, you'd, you'd think it would, but... I think the last movie that he did that did anything was Bucket List. You know, regardless yes. of how I feel about it. Yes. Um, that movie had some kind of effect on the social consciousness in, in a way that he hadn't felt in almost two decades. But yeah, because he's that's another movie he holds really high esteem because he's like people. Nobody talked about a bucket list before they saw the movie. Now that became a thing, like a pop culture reference. Somebody talks about their bucket list. That's because of that movie. I'm like, okay, I I, I can't really disprove that. Get him. Yeah, I mean, I rem- I I I remember that 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 I, they did release that until January, right? They waited until yeah. Well, remember, like because we were working at the theater. And at the college when that movie came out and it was supposed to come out like in November or December and we were like alright alright we were really excited and then they bumped it and we went oh no <laughs> like like our first reaction was like what's wrong with it and and then we got it in February and oh <laughs> it was like that also with like Monuments oh. Men that was another one where it was that like that was another one that got bumped <laughs> yeah. and it was like wait what's what's the problem and it's like oh man oh yeah, it's. It, yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I love that they never, you know, use the option, or at least they. God, it's been so long since they've done it, but they never just go. You know what? We can't release this. <laughs> we just can't do it. I no no. Thank he, God for January. Now here was a fascinating one from earlier this year. Chappaquiddick, right? Chappaquiddick yeah. came out in the spring, and looked like a solid movie, very well yeah, put yeah, together. They, uh, Bruce Stern, great, you know, choice for him to play like the the patriarch at the time, like probably at the, you know, near the end of his life. I was like, okay, cool, you know, great, just solid casting all the way around. But it was like, I remember that was, I think, I think that was supposed to be a fall seventeen movie, and I just think that I don't know if it was the the company was just like, there's just too much stuff. We can't, we're not gonna, we can't, we don't have enough to be able to. Uh, you know, st- be able to stick out or be relevant. And look at a movie like The Front Runner. That's a movie that maybe should have bailed. Maybe should have waited. Because yeah. the worst thing you could have done was release that in November, especially in this political climate. Like, I've heard that movie has a really cool narrative about the media, but not the media narrative you want to hear right now. Because, I mean, you look at the Time Magazine like cover. Like, the person of the year is the journalist. Oh, yeah. Like in, in the story of something like the front runner, and it's fascinating when it gets down to releases and stuff like that. I mean, again, like not that would trying to tie that back. That wouldn't I, wasn't necessarily a Reitman passion project, but it was one he cared about a lot. I just find it fascinating that like you know, there's some movies like the bucket list that they'll bump, and other movies they won't. It's it's interesting. I, that, right. It probably that movie could have done well if, if they re, if they had released it when they wanted to. I mean, it's fine enough. Remember? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give it this. Uh, I regardless of how I feel about it and whatever the critics felt about it, almost everyone that I've talked to really likes that movie. Like, really likes that movie. I mean, but 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 typically, like, I bet I'm willing to bet if you ask any baby boomer, they'll say, "Oh, it's amazing." You know, like, because that's kind of right. who that movie's for, right? You know, and uh, and the fact that they're mixed races makes everyone feel better. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those types of movies. <laughs> but you just nailed it. That had an audience. That was its audience, and it nailed it. It, it, it nailed it. It yeah. did a good job, and it, you know what? A I, I hit's a hit, and it's cool. it was cool to see Reiner with something. Uh, you know, that's probably the best film he put out that decade. And, you know, it's, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's it's not a, it's not a patch on everything that came before. You know, there's pre North and post North. (laughs) It really really is. is. It It really really, is. It really is. And it sucks because he was one of the best. He was one of the best of the uh, mainstream filmmakers. Yeah. And, and this movie, man. It, but in a weird way, I'm so happy it exists because uh, it's like who in their right mind would think that any of this was a good idea. And yet you have a bunch of people in this movie that like you grew up idolizing, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like truly great talent. And just like you've got some of the funniest people ever. You've got Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Jason Alexander at their comedic peak yeah. in, you know, in their careers and they can't land a single laugh not one and you know maybe it would have god i think there is a way to do this story man it just frustrates me but they could have worked like if the parents maybe had listened to him a little bit you know they make the parents absolutely non-existent in north's life uh in those first 10 minutes you know it's like there's no like connection in any way whatsoever between north and the parents so there's nothing to like hope for because you know, it's like, well, why would I hope that he goes back with them? Everything that I've seen with him and those parents has been awful. That's I, they. I, I hate to say this movie could ever be remade because it just needs to stay dead. But it could. Oh, yeah. It could have been that movie could be done nowadays because it would be phones, it would be technology. That would be the the thing that distracts the Stop. parents away from the yeah, yeah all all those it. You, there is a that movie like I, th- this story is not something that just exists in a vacuum. Like it definitely it it's not. I don't think it's a dated thing necessarily. No, there's like, something. There's a couple a, of universal themes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to find the the goodness it, it, somewhere in here because as appalling of a, of a premise as it, <laughs> it turns out to be, I don't think it was intended that way. I'm actually very curious how that book goes, although I will never read it. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like. Because it's you know because you can see the themes it's like oh it's about the you know appreciating what you have the value of family and all that crap you know <laughs> <laughs> and and the way they handle it it's just like Jesus if you would have been better off you know <laughs> living at the mall you know like why didn't he just go with John Ritter <laughs> exactly like, how could you say no to that oh God um, like the the ratings for the movies are incredible uh, IMDb has it at a four point four. Rotten Tomatoes. I'm amazed it's this high. It's at 14. Um, percent I don't think I'll ever trust Google ratings again because uh, I just, you know, you see a number and you just go, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Uh, a 60 percent on Google uh, for Google users. Wow. 60 on Rotten Tomatoes. That would be fresh. Um, I know I sound like I've uh, defended the movie somewhat, um, and. You know, I, I, I read these things. It's like Roger Ebert, him and Siskel both said it. According to them, this was the worst film of 1994. And I believe they both also said this. Like Roger Ebert actually said, this is the worst film that I have ever reviewed on this program. And that was at the movies, which had been going on for like 15 years at that point. And Siskel also said, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. 
I'll be honest. I don't think this is anywhere near one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Because uh, it, I didn't. <laughs> and it's, this was a quote I thought of, and I think this will perfectly describe how I feel. I don't hate this movie, and for that I hate myself. <laughs> because I feel like I should hate this movie, but there's something that's that's keeping me from doing that. Um, well, how do you feel about it? I think it is impossible, with no matter how you choose to rate a movie, there's no way all movies are rated equally. It's impossible. It is never. It can never be done. And the reason is because we all bring something. We all come in with something to these movies. We're, co- we're bringing baggage into these, all of them. And the thing is, yeah. like, like, the baggage that's brought into a Rob Reiner movie is your expectations are high. And they should be. Because he's done great work, and I think that's why when Ebert makes that makes that comment, I think it is it is full of hyperbole, but I think it's based in the fact that he's somebody who looks at Rob Reiner as an incredible filmmaker who respects him incredibly. He's probably loved some of his movies that are mentioned in that run, and to come out with something like North, it feels like it's the worst movie ever because it's coming from somebody that oh, is so good. Because like, all right, we just did. Like a few episodes ago was um was cops and robbers sure right? Comes. Okay, and, let's talk. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, is this worse than cops and robbers? All right, so <laughs> if I'm trying, if if I'm honestly trying to eliminate the baggage, right? Like not bring in the previous Rob Reiner stuff because that does make a difference. If I'm looking at it objectively, no, I don't think it's worse than cops and robbers. Because Cops and Robertsons is, is, a, is a pretty awful mess from just a straight narrative point of view. It's just a terrible, terrible mess. No, like, North has brief moments that we talked about that are like, oh, okay. You know, like, and they're few, very few and far between. I don't think it's necessarily worse. Now, if I bring in, like, because, like, of, of how much I've, you know, liked Rob Reiner's movies, especially Stand By Me after we did that episode, you know, last season... Yeah, man. It if I bring that in, oh hell yeah, I could say it's worse than Cops and Robertsons. But that's not being objective. That's and that's the way it, we have to try. It's hard, and we don't always succeed at it. Sometimes we do, you know. And not bringing that stuff along. That's why, like, why we go into movies hating them, and it's like the movie has to fight this uphill battle to win us over. Sometimes, you know, because we're going in like, oh, I'm expecting to hate this thing. And sometimes that yeah. makes it even better because you're like, oh, wow, it shocked me. So it feels like a 10 when it's probably really a six, but your expectations were so low that it feels like this thing was, you know, just an absolute godsend. That's why it's, it's these ratings are so tricky. Like prime has, this as a three out of four. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like I'm, from user ratings. Yeah. Oh, bro. Can you believe that? Um, Three out of four. Um, no. Or it was no, four out of five. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm talking about. Three out of four. I apologize. Well, that's the same thing. Yeah, I know. I just, I, because I, I don't know. I don't. I can't believe that I would, because, yeah, it's it. Everything's on a five. I think a five star scale on Amazon. So I think that's at a four. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, just like, oh my lord. Sh- you know what though? Three out of four sounds a lot easier on the ears than four out of five. Yeah. You know, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Psychologically. That's why, like, I know we do, we try to do everything on a 10 because that gives a lot of room for nuance. Because right. there's so many movies that could be a, th- a three out of four. Like, that's why when they would do four stars for a movie, it's like, man, four stars. Like, a Beauty and the Beast gets like four stars, the animated. But, like, is that the same as like four stars for Pulp Fiction? 
Like what right. you know what I mean? Like I, I don't that's that's what, that's a tricky thing with it. But what do you what do you rate this as then? If you're Oh, I wrestled with this. Um I would rate out of out of ten, I would rate North a four. I'm gonna try what to say you. Uh, because I'll tell you, man, my impulse initially, like like Minute, minute, minute one, like clicking and the remote. He steps up to the plate. <laughs> minute one, clicking the remote off. It was a one, but I was like, that... <laughs> Kenny, <it's all> <laughs> but 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 that's because of the quote unquote baggage. And I'm like, okay, right. think about it honestly, objectively, really, really, you know, go with it here. It's like it. it I, I I think I settled on a three. I okay. settled on a three because. Because then I thought about the the last movie we revealed for the other podcast, and I was like, it, "It's not." Like, <laughs> that I, set a whole new record for how like, like, <laughs> that that changed the bar. <laughs> not many movies can say they've lowered the bar quite like that but, one. Man, they created new numbers. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Um, no, no, no. Because I don't know how you feel. Because it was your first time. Um, but when I, you know, I hadn't seen it in 20 years, I was totally expecting to hate it. And I didn't. And I was, I was like I said, I was a little upset <laughs> that, that I didn't hate it. Because uh, I am a glutton for punishment sometimes with these movies. And I did, was like, Did you, you know like what? it as a kid? Did you like it a lot? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> like, no, I didn't. Uh, like, like I told you, like that comatose scene weirded me out uh, as a kid. Like with them just sitting there with their eyes wide open. Oh, and also, like while we're at it, there's one shot. Where Julia Louis Dreyfus blinks, like this I movie's s- not good. I, it's I saw that. I and you I did see it. I okay. did. And it wasn't even that I was looking at it. It was blatant. <laughs> like like it, I think she was trying to like message the audience, like leave, leave the theater. <laughs> just just like that was her only way of communicating. But um, no, like I never, I never owned this movie on VHS. My dad never copied it from tape to tape. I just happened to catch it, and I thought it was okay. You know, and then I learned about its reputation years later, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, that movie wasn't very good." And then I watched it a couple nights ago, and like I said, I didn't hate it. Uh, it's certainly I would never call this a good movie, but you know, not not only do I not think it's the worst movie of 1994, I don't even think it's Rob Reiner's worst movie. I really don't. He's he made some real turds, like. Alex and Emma. That's trash. It is that pretty bad. Yeah, because that felt like that was like this this bad like we're gonna tr- let's just bring back the one Harry met Sally thing and but yeah. like but not That's bring any yeah. but not bring back any of the subtleties any of the uh, any of well for one thing just not have really chemistry with the you know the actors or anything it just. It, it felt like a poor bastardized version of when Harry met Sally. That one is pretty weak. I'm trying. Rumor has it is eh, whatever. Well, I, I don't like rumor has it, but I mean, it's been 15 years since I've seen it. But I can probably tell you, I, it's probably it's probably better than North. It's all Costner, man. That's that's yeah. that's all it is. It, it's such a shame too, because rumor has it had a dynamite trailer, and yes. and the concept was was so cool. You know, like it was very meta. It was a cool idea for a movie and they just dropped the ball with it. Um, You know, so, yeah, it's like Alex and Emma. I have no desire to ever see that movie again, because at least there's some life in North. Like Bruce Willis has little moments where I'm like, 
that's the Bruce Willis that I like. And it's few and far between, mind you. But, you know, the words come off the page in this movie. I remember Alex and Emma being, you know, as, as flat as a wall. I went on a date to see Alex and Emma. <laughs> I, I, First and last. I sh- it was. I screwed <laughs> I screened it the night before because I was because I again was excited for because it, it was like it the, tra- the the trailer sold me enough. It was Rob Reiner and I was working in the theater so I could see anything I wanted and I got to screen that one. I was like, awesome, this is gonna be great. And like I saw a kissy movie. I yeah, like kissy movies. I like a little kissy. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, do you now? I screened it and I was like, oh, that was okay. Like I just kind of had that kind of. But so I so the next day is the next day was when we went I went on the date with this girl to go see it and oh um, I see and and after what you think I I remember just bland everything was was bland but what I'll never forget this date because I I remember I had to drive <laughs> I had to drive my mom's ass uh, ass fire I call it the ass fire because it was just the worst <laughs> car it looked like a big red jelly bean you know it was a it was a Ford Aspire. And I remember, like on, I, I'm like driving the old Coop River Bridge was no joke. And so when you're like, I, like I'm white knuckling this thing because I'm always just nervous about it because it's it it, it it I don't know it's like the Death Star trench run. That's how narrow it felt. And I remember, I remember making comments about like I wasn't driving fast enough, and I was like, oh, we're gonna do this, huh? And so I remember the the next stop was we got to a bar. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. The episode or Seinfeld is on the TV, and I was like, "All right, Seinfeld." And she and she says, "I don't like that show." And I was like, "Oh, great." <sighs> the next thing I yep. do, there is a thing of dip, and you know where I'm going with this. There is oh, a thing yeah. of dip. I dip. What? I actually now I had this was not too fancy of a trick, but I was holding two chips with one hand. This I don't know if you've ever done this. <laughs> But I quite the connoisseur. But I did this, so I dipped one chip, ate it, had the second chip ready for the another dip. This got misconstrued as the same chip, and I was told. Oh, I've had this happen. I was told by the person who didn't like Seinfeld that I was double dipping, and I looked at her like, "This is incredible." Give her that Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> That's <laughs> that look. I, what? The last line was the best because I drop her back at her car at the theater, and she's like, "Oh, I had a I had a really good time," and I was like. Yeah, I know you didn't, but uh, maybe next time, I guess, right? And that was it. Because <laughs> I was so despondent after that. I was like, this is a train wreck. <laughs> and that was the end of that, my friend. <laughs> Alex and, and Emma. That's the story of Alex and Emma. <laughs> there we go. Oh, man. That's a, that's a doozy. I can't believe you never told me that one. <laughs> Goddamn, I like a little kissing. <laughs> that didn't happen. There's a winner. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. I'm so glad we got to talk about North, and I'm glad that you didn't hate it. I'm just glad we're now... I know because I I can't wait for you to reveal the next movie because, man, this has been a a tough slog these last few months of the podcast. It's it's time, because uh, (laughs) simply because of what I've put us through over these last couple episodes, I've decided to change the movie that we're doing for the next one because I actually will flat out tell you, I don't like Natural Born Killers. Uh, That movie depresses the hell out of me. And it makes me angry. So it's like, I'm tired of feeling like that. Uh, for our next episode, August of 1994, we're going to be looking at a Harrison Ford movie, finally. We're going to be looking at Clear and Present Danger. 
the second of his two Jack Ryan movies. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Real Change Pod. I am at CM underscore Stabs. And I am at William Rankin 83. And we'll see you next month, August of 1994, for Clear and Present Danger. <laughs>